The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I decided what I'm going to do. We're going to do a shorter show today. Quick recap, quick preview. Last day before the All-Star break. And then tomorrow, Friday's show, which is already a long one, we're just going to go ahead and make it longer. It makes no sense to do it the other way around. You guys are already sort of settling in for the Friday weekend edition. you wiggling your butt into the lounge chair and grabbing the beverage of choice. Maybe a snack. Or I don't know, maybe you're listening on a long car ride. What the hell do I know? All I do know is that our weekend shows are longer anyway, so might as well just add a little bit of that. Okay? So what's happening. I can't change my mind now. The reason I bring that up is because we have All-Star stuff this weekend, and I like to at least peruse the NBA All-Star betting lines. Not for the game, generally. Usually for the festivities. Dunk contest, three-point contest, skills challenge, stuff like that. The odds are out already, by the way, if you want to... Go check them out. They're all floating around. Slam dunk contest is what? Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, Cassius Stanley. Now we're just making names up at this point. <laughs> uh, Three-point contest. You have a few more names in there that you've likely heard of before. Steph, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. So... Some fun stuff going around there. Skills Challenge, Luca, CP3, Sabonis, Rocco. That one surprised me when I heard about that. Vooch, Julius Randle, they like to throw some big men in with the little guys and see if they can take them down. Big guys usually want it more, so at least there's that. So we'll talk a little bit about that stuff on tomorrow's show. It won't add that much. Maybe an extra five to ten minutes as we go through, you know, trying to break down the odds a little bit and the slam dunk contest. There's really no clear favorite this year which both creates and obliterates odds all by itself because everybody's between one and two to one three-point contest skills challenge a little bit more fun because you've got six competitors and that means that someone's gonna have to be an underdog gotta make somebody less likely to win otherwise you're not gonna get people betting on anything so that'll be on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's show also, the Friday weekend show, will be the week in review. It'll be a little bit of a first half in review, although it won't really feature that. So it'll be kind of a traditional Friday show with some extra toppings on stuff. On top, today, Wednesday recap, Thursday preview. Simple. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for listening, everybody. At Dan Vespers on Twitter is the old handleroo. If you want to give me a follow, I would certainly appreciate it if you did. And... Promo still going. You guys, by the way, are starting to do a better job now. You guys are starting to do a better job now. I found a few things that had actually dropped into our support or our team hoopball uh, spam folder. So I hope I grabbed it out. If I didn't reply to you and you sent something in, it probably means you got spam filtered. So try it again. I'm, I'm keeping a close tab on it now. We are getting close now to having enough entrance to pull a name out of a hat. I need about, eh, call it another 5 to 10, and then we're good to go. What's Dan talking about? 
It's our promo we've been running for the last couple of days. It's the rate and review promo here on Fantasy NBA Today. If you have access to an iPhone or other Apple mobile device with an iTunes account or iTunes itself, if you're running on a computer, search for Fantasy NBA Today in the podcast app or in iTunes. Click on the show title and rate and review the show. Drop a review. Write something nice with your five-star review of the pod. And then screenshot it to me at Dan Bespris on Twitter. You can find me there. Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's the easiest way. Or if you're not on social media, send it by email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I do find it easier to use the at Dan Bespris Twitter method, but that's not for everybody. So get yourself in, uh, entered into the contest. No purchase necessary to get in on this thing. And the winner, when I do ultimately draw a name, will get a cash prize from my buddies over at MyBookie. I got a cash prize for you guys. And it, it doesn't have to be a new account. If you already got one there, we'll drop some cash in your account as well. Uh, so this should be a lot of fun. And I'm seeing a lot of really fun new reviews, which I'm guessing most of those are probably from this contest. Uh, from Huckle Nuts, I'm going to read a couple of them because if you write something fun, it's going on air. He may have uneven sideburns and occasionally click the wrong button too soon, but no one can unleash a tweet storm and recap a weekend chronologically in reverse better than this man right here. I love it. I love that you're picking on me because I picked on myself. I I did a whole thing where I was talking about how my hair looked ridiculous and also deleted my podcast uh, before posting it. And he's not the only one to hit me with that because C. Rebuck said, I know what you're thinking. I thought it too. How can a guy who deletes his podcast recordings before he posts them help me ascend into fantasy basketball lore and win my league? You guys are silly, man. Let's get some more good ones in there. I'll keep reading them. Uh, I'm checking them out as they pop up. I think Apple takes a day or two to process this stuff before it actually floats out into cyberspace. So please do get on that. Get yourself in this contest. Win some cash. And we'll uh, we'll all be happier for it. Let's talk Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, rather. We'll start with Wednesday. Then we'll talk Thursday, like we always do. Detroit in Toronto. Shorthanded Pistons. Shorthanded Raptors. Twas the Pistons who wanted it more. Dennis Smith Jr. I talked about as an interesting stream this week and just sort of cross your fingers and hope he doesn't take many shots. And he didn't. So this was glorious. He triple-doubled with two threes and three steals. Yeah, he shot three for nine from the field, but you knew that was coming. Wayne Ellington had eight three-pointers, so he got an opportunity here with no Josh Jackson. Uh, Rodney Magruder actually played a bunch, but who cares? Saban Lee had 20 and 7 off the bench, but you can't trust him in 21 minutes. And he probably doesn't finish the game if it's not a blowout. Mason Plumlee also triple-doubled. Team triple-doubles in this one. So that was pretty cool. We've seen that twice this season, actually. Sadiq Bey was one of the very rare Pistons who didn't have a big ball game. Uh, Still a guy you're going to sit on because he has that starting small forward or power forward job mostly locked up at this point. And, you know, this one just got away. Svi Mikhailiuk played the most minutes on the team for Detroit. 37 of them had 17-4 rebounds, two steals, and five three-pointers. Keep a little bit of an eye on that. Maybe just for this last one with the Knicks. But by the end of the All-Star break, I, I'm sure Detroit is hoping to have Josh Jackson back. I think they'd like to have DeLon Wright back, although I don't know that it's going to happen immediately after the break, but they'll be reevaluating him. In any event, it's going to push bodies around, and so whatever you're doing here, just understand it probably doesn't have much of a shelf life. 
Toronto, the question was, look, half the team's out. Surely someone else will do something besides Lowry, Powell, and Boucher. Nope. Indiana at Cleveland. This is a game the Cavs should have won by 15, if not for one, well, two. We'll call two pretty critical things. First, the injury to Darius Garland, who pulled a groin in the third quarter, and then Indy outscored Cleveland by like 20 points from the moment he went out. They really are a much better team with Garland in the lineup. As a facilitator, he and Colin Sexton can sort of counterbalance each other. They can play at the same time, but if you stagger them, at least they have someone sort of competent and running the offense on the floor. And and then when he went out, it all just came apart for the Cavs. But to be fair, it had been on the brink of coming apart before he got hurt, but they were just so efficient when they were not turning the ball over that it didn't matter to that point. Then they'd stopped being efficient and the turnovers became a much bigger deal. TJ McConnell had the first points, assists, steals, triple-double in something like 20 years, which is pretty incredible. 16 points, 4 boards, 13 assists, 10 steals, a block, and a perfect 8-for-8 shooting from the field in this game. I'm only upset because I have TJ McConnell in two of my six money leagues, which you think I'd be pretty happy about that, but it's two head-to-head leagues. So he's going to hopefully help me win two weeks, but then this beautiful 10-steal game just floats off into the universe never to be heard from again ah roto leagues i do love thee jeremy lamb came back he played 19 minutes and i think he's a drop at this point i know his percentages were good in this game and he got his two steals and he hit his three free throws but he's just not playing enough right now and karis lavert waiting in the wings apparently back in like the next three weeks or so is the expectation by the way go ahead and stash that dude if you haven't already lavert i'm talking about and uh, Lamb and Doug McDermott, they're dangling by a thread. Here's why everybody's like, what happens to TJ McConnell when these other guys come back? Yeah, he probably takes a hit, but he also led the team. Uh, well, didn't lead the team, but he was tied for the team lead in minutes played in this one. 37 apiece, he and Sabonis and Justin Holiday. And so I don't think McConnell's just going to disappear. He's been too critical for them, especially if Malcolm Brogdon's become more of a scorer and less of a facilitator of late. So, no, you're not pre-dropping TJ McConnell. You ride that one until he, the world yells at us that we can't anymore. But I can't imagine that he hasn't carved himself out some kind of a job after this. Dean Wade looked pretty good on the Cavs side, but who cares? Because Larry Nance and Kevin Love are coming back, and the Cavs are going to look real different when Isaac Okoro and Wade are not playing 30 minutes apiece. And instead, you know, their starting lineup actually gets kind of interesting at that point, and they've been playing well. To the Cavs' credit, after a brutal stretch, they've looked a lot better here lately. Philly beat the Jazz in overtime, and then Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert decided to curse out the refs in the NBA after the ball game, which is a great look for a team in first place in the Western Conference. Um, get out of here with that horse puck. See, I cleaned it up for the podcast. Jazz are 27-9. and they have had, by all accounts, the most impressive first half in the NBA. Highlighted by what? Didn't they have an 11-game winning streak or 12-game winning streak in there? They've just been great all the way around. And they felt like they didn't get some calls in this game. Guess what? No one gets calls when they play against Joel Embiid. Deal with it. Deal with it like everybody else in the NBA has. And just go 
and a son of a gun. Guess what? Embiid is faster, bigger, faster, stronger than any other big man in the NBA. He's he's Shaq like in that he just moves the way other big dudes can't. I don't care how good Rudy Gobert is as a defender. Embiid is just better as an offensive player than everyone else as a big man in the NBA. And then Jokic, who's obviously a very different big man, but no one's keeping up with Embiid, so stop it. This is a fantasy podcast, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about Utah complaining to the officials and making it about more than just one game against Joel Embiid. We don't get calls. It was the whole thing, man. It was the lobbying effort shouting up into the heavens. I mean, Donovan Mitchell gets five and a half free throws a game. What's Gobert at in free throws right now? Where the hell is Gobert in, in fantasy these days? I've, I've lost track of the dudes. 48, he gets five and a half free throws a game too. I don't know, man. Okay, so let's let's look at it this way. They say we're not getting calls. All right. Okay. I can actually buy that argument. Maybe a team isn't getting as many calls as they want. I'm sure there are quite a few in the NBA that feel like they've been slighted. I might even go so far as to say like 29 teams in the NBA probably feel like they're not getting as many calls as they want. The Hawks probably are the one team that can't complain because of how many free throws Trey Young's had this year. Everybody else has some kind of gripe. Even the best of the best have some kind of gripe on this one. But then to claim it's because they're the Jazz, like the NBA has instructed officials just to not give the Jazz calls and to say, oh, it's a small market team thing. Uh, You know who plays in a small market? Giannis Antetokounmpo? You know who is second in the NBA in free throw attempts per ball game? Giannis Antetokounmpo? Stop with the market thing. This is like saying the refs are given a card before the game that just says, Philly is a bigger media market. And like every game, the refs have, okay, which of these teams is the bigger media market? Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, t- Toronto. You got to give Toronto more free throws in this game over Detroit, or you, you got to give. You know, Houston shot more free throws than Brooklyn did in their blowout loss. Just stop, man. Just stop. It's not media market size. Maybe you're just a team. Maybe the way you guys play isn't conducive to getting a, a boatload of foul calls. Jazz do take a lot of wide open three pointers. Stop it. You lost the damn game. Sheesh. Anyway, nothing interesting fantasy-wise in that one, so we can just keep moving. Detroit beat, uh, excuse me, Brooklyn beat Houston 132-114. James Harden triple-doubled in his return to Houston. Joe Harris had 19. Kyrie Irving was not that great, actually, in this game. He was fine. Bruce Brown, king of the streamers, 17-8-7. and I'm going to be sad when we have to get rid of Bruce Brown because he's been a lot of fun with no KD and no Jeff Green, but when those guys come back... DeAndre Jordan and Brown are probably the guys who get punched in the gut fantasy-wise. I think you can probably pre-drop maybe both of them even. Brown's been better than Jordan lately. I know DeAndre gets the blocks and the rebounds, but Bruce Brown's been doing all this across-the-board stuff, and his percentages have been so good. Finally missed some free throws in this ballgame. So what I would prefer to do, if I was you, 
in this instance. I'm dropping Bruce Brown to stash an injured player, like a Levert or a Nance or an Aaron Gordon or a D'Angelo Russell or somebody who probably got dropped in a head-to-head league that maybe doesn't get dropped in a roto format with a games cap just until you get an update on that guy. And then you can make a choice whether or not you want to jump back to Bruce Brown or someone else. Because I don't think you're going to lose. Like, I don't think most people in your fantasy league are waiting until Saturday waivers clear to pick up Bruce Brown on All-Star Weekend. This is when you can screw around a little bit with some stashes and probably get back off of them if the timeline sounds bad. Meanwhile, on the Houston side, Christian Wood is almost a lock to play coming out of the All-Star break. He's basically said he's ready to go now. Houston's like, nah, man, we're getting our asses kicked, so just sit a little bit longer. Victor Oladipo has been outrageously inefficient, but at least he did some other stuff in this ballgame and ended up with a pretty good line. Justin Patton is your Christian Wood handcuff now. And then Jay Sean Tate had a better ballgame. Double-doubled with two steals. Doesn't shoot the three. Doesn't shoot free throws well, but he actually made his two in this ballgame. So there are some pretty big limitations there, but he has to be the guy you pick up because he slides down and stays in the starting lineup even when Wood comes back which pushes P.J. Tucker to power forward, pushes Sterling Brown back to the bench. David Nwaba had surgery, so he's out for a bit. And then Daniel House is another guy out of the break. You can still keep one eye on. I, I still... P.J. Tucker to me feels like one of the, the nearest to a guarantee of a guy that gets moved. There are a ton of teams in the NBA that would love to have you know, a six foot six small forward that can also play power forward and center and just hang in there with teams and also space the floor. You name me a contender and I've, and you've now also named a possible PJ Tucker destination. Someone's going to give the Rockets something, a second rounder, a late first, because PJ's good. He'll make a good team better just by being there. And when he does get moved, then you really get a Jay Sean Tate and possible Daniel House situation, especially because coming down the stretch this year, I cannot imagine Oladipo and John Wall are still playing all those games. Can't possibly be the case. They'll be trading off who plays. Now, give John Wall a lot of credit. He's more likely to stick it out as late as humanly possible this year because the dude hasn't played in like two calendar years. So he's excited, as evidenced by the fact he took 30 damn shots in this ballgame. Uh, but you're going to get some rest days in there, and then you're going to get Tate, House, guys like that that have an opportunity to go nuts. Charlotte beat the daylights out of Minnesota. Uh, Wolves actually led this game in the 40s and then got outscored 90-some-odd to 60, basically, the rest of the way. Big lines from pretty much anybody that touched the court on the Charlotte side because you put up a buck 35, that's how it's going to go. Hayward, back, great. Rozier, big ball game. P.J. Washington was playing well before he turned his ankle. Even Miles Bridges had a good game off the bench. Even Bismack Biombo had a good ball game, but, you know, who cares? Ricky Rubio finally had a, a better one. He'd been pretty quiet of late for Minnesota. He's actually, he's fallen kind of into a cut territory for me. I know this is a big ball game, so it's weird to say that after he does have a nice one. Uh, and he probably does have another week to maybe three at most, I would think, out of the break before... D'Angelo renders him mostly useless again. But he hasn't been that good outside of this game. Assists a couple of steals, but he kind of stopped doing other stuff. And the problem, of course, for a guy like Rubio is 
if the people he's passing it to have no chance of hitting the shot he's tried to create for them, what the hell good is he? Towns hasn't been very good lately. Anthony Edwards has been uh, an atrocious shooter. At least he's doing some other stuff. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes. So Edwards has been able to kind of stay afloat. And then the rest of the team, like the rest of the Wolves are bad right now. They have no real depth. Nas Reed, I think I would argue, is kind of their only depth, like proven legitimate depth on that team. And then he actually has to play a little bit here. Once they've lost two starters, there's there's no there's no way to fill that in. Let's keep moving. Chicago, New Orleans, no real valuation changes in this one either. The good guys were good. The bad guys were not that good. The only thing I think you could note is that Eric Bledsoe has actually been serviceable over about the last two weeks or so, give or take. He's like top 115 over that stretch, which belongs on fantasy teams, if but barely. Over the last week, he's actually been inside the top 60, so that's pretty good. And if he was dropped, I think then you pick him up and you see if this if he can get this to last a little bit, if this is the beginning of something better or if just, just a blip going into the All-Star break. Lonzo Ball's been good. Josh Hart's been teetering right on the brink of fantasy value. So kind of the same story for the Pels as... It's always been. I'm curious. Uh, I'm, I, I, I would imagine Larry Markkinen plays out of the All-Star break, but I really don't know. I haven't been getting many updates on him either. What does that do? I, I think it probably pushes Garrett Temple farther out of the mix because I don't know how the Bulls don't continue to use a ton of Thad Young. He's been unbelievably good for them this year. Like, Crazy, crazy good. That's uh, inside the top 90 on the season, and that was after that, that first month and a half where he did nothing. Last month, he's top 60. And really hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. He's done that in 26 minutes of ball game. Steam train Thad. Atlanta beat Orlando in a wild comeback. Gallo was big with no Clint Capella. That was sort of the, the trickling effect where John Collins slid up to center. You figured he would actually be the guy to go nuts, and instead it was Gallo playing a bunch of power forward minutes that made all the difference for this one. Trey Young was better. Orlando did not. They opted not to trap him. They almost got away with it, too, because the Hawks were not playing good defense for the majority of this ballgame, and then they finally started to try a little bit, like the last three minutes of the game. No Evan Fournier on the Orlando side. They most likely would have won this game. Terrence Ross was good. Vooch was good. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams now with a couple decent ones in a row. He fouled out. I'm still not buying it in a category league. You could, Again, I, I, like I've said this 15 times on the podcast, you could make an argument for him in points leagues because he rebounds, gets assists, gets steals, gets blocks, generally doesn't score this much. You know, This is a pretty inflated game for him, and that doesn't stick, especially now you know, with Fournier and Gordon probably coming back on the other side of the break. One other thing to note, Alfred Camino up to 25 minutes in this game. He had 14 and 8 with two blocks and two threes. He's not that far from fantasy value in 25 minutes of ball game. Probably need to get him to about 27 or 28. And then you could look at him as a less of a roto games cap kind of guy, because where you're you're hunting 
you know, top 80 or better type of dudes as many times as humanly possible and more of an unlimited type where he can get you that combination of threes, rebounds, and some defensive stats. But again, you don't really have to do anything about it yet. Especially not going into the break. Oklahoma City and Dallas played one of the ugliest games of the year, so I think I'd rather just ignore that this one ever happened. No Luka. It was all defense and everybody was terrible. Josh Richardson was as not terrible as you could get. Jalen Brunson was sort of second chair to not completely awful. Ty Jerome's been not not that bad on the OKC side, but uh, I'm not taking that plunge either. Thunder play again. Hope that's not like this one. Warriors and Blazers came down to the wire. Dame had the edge at the end of it all. Rob Covington, big ball game. Two steals, three blocks, three three-pointers, nine rebounds. Good game for him. And the only story around either of these teams is the wondering on the Portland side of when we're going to get an update on C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. And finally, Lakers and Kings. LeBron sat it out. No Marcus Gasol, no Anthony Davis. So Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma got an opportunity to take 20 shots apiece or more. And if we ever find out that half the Lakers are resting, well, you know where to go. Kuz, Schroeder, and Montrez. Easy enough. With a honorary mention, honorable mention to Markeith Morris, who was also borderline fantasy relevant in this one. Kings are a predictable lot these days. Marvin Bagley's actually been trending up a tiny bit, but still, you know, 29 minutes in this one, 14 points, 5 rebounds, and nothing else. Pretty good example of why you just can't roll with him in category leagues. Can't do it. Nice to see Buddy Heald has uh, warmed himself back up again. So streaky, and we just kept wondering when that field goal percent was going to start to trend back up. Well, guess what? Two big games later, and he's back inside the top 100. That's all it takes when you're hovering in that 115-120 range. You can leapfrog a lot of guys with two good ball games. Quick pivot here to Thursday. We're going to go promo free here in the middle of the podcast. I'll rattle them all off to you at the end of the show because I trust you guys will check out manscaped.com, mybookie.ag, and expressvpn.com forward slash hoopball. Right? I don't have to bury you with advertisements. You're just going to check them out all by yourself. Right? Your promo codes, by the way, hoopball at mybookie.ag and hoopball20 at manscaped.com. Clippers are in Washington, finishing up their first half. Uh, we don't know the status of Kawhi Leonard in this ballgame. We do know that the Wizards got beat up by the Clips in L.A. not that long ago. We'll see if that ends up playing a role here. Toronto, shorthanded Raptors are in Boston. Uh, Celtics have already beat them twice this year. I can't imagine Boston loses this game to a Raptors team missing everybody. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. On Boston, uh, continue to track the big man minutes, really. Robert Williams has been so good lately. We'll see if that trend line is still pointed up. Detroit on the back-to-back. They're taking on the Knicks, who they just lost to in a lower-scoring game a week ago. See if uh, Jeremy Grant, I think he's likely to rest this game also. But we'll watch, see if that status changes at all. Derrick Rose is listed as questionable. So... By the way, that immediately tells us he does not have COVID and they're waiting on some kind of exposure 
with him to learn more. Like, did the exposure he had, is that someone that's going to force him out of another couple of ballgames? I'm betting he's probably out, but who the hell knows? Like, they've got all these weird little loopholes for getting guys back in, and, and maybe he slips through one of those. That'd be swell. That'd be real swell. Uh, Detroit side we just talked about. There are a lot of streaming options over there when everybody else is resting. Dennis Smith Jr. is my my current favorite, and I'm trotting him out there in three or four of my leagues. Again, if you can squeeze out a week of super productive games right now, the year of the streamer, you do it. Denver at Indiana. Indy's been uh, bad. Indy's been bad lately. Denver also shorthanded, but they have Jokic. At the end of the day, they have a guy that can basically just play a basketball game like a simulation. That's how smart he is on the court. Not doing much with these two teams right now. Milwaukee, Memphis, Grizzlies are a crapshoot. Will DeAnthony Melton get to play a bunch of minutes again? I hope so. Miami in New Orleans. This is the lone nationally televised game tonight. Thursday, TNT. They're not going with the doubleheader, just a, a single one this time around. Pelicans have played really well in big, high-profile games. Whatever the hell that's worth. We don't know if Jimmy Butler's playing... On the Heat side, that's still floating in the air. And if he does, and if Tyler Hero's in there, and if Goran Dragic is in there, we can start to get a read on Kendrick Nunn. Thunder in San Antonio. Hopefully OKC looks a little better in this one than they did in the last one. Spurs, we'll see what Keldon Johnson's minutes look like. He actually, and I mentioned this, I think it was yesterday, you know, he was kind of teetering on the brink before this COVID thing. I do think you have to give him through the break and, and kind of see where he comes out on the other side there. And then Trey Lyles has been a pretty good streamer lately. I have no reason to think he wouldn't be again. Warriors, brutal travel game in Phoenix. No real fantasy stuff going on here other than perhaps whether or not you guys are interested at all in Jay Crowder. And then the Kings, also kind of a tough travel game. They go up to Portland after the uh, late win over the Lakers on Wednesday night and take on a Blazers team. That is, uh, once again, somehow playing well. That's the Dame effect. They just, Dame finds a way. It's like dinosaurs, apparently. Or, I guess, life was the quote in Jurassic Park. And that is your very busy Thursday leading into the All-Star break. Again, tomorrow, tomorrow's show, Friday's show, we're going to break down All-Star festivities and also give you our typical weekend review, ads drop, streamers. It's going to be a heavy load of streamers. Just a spoiler alert on that show. I'll see if I can hunt down some buy low and sell high guys. We've had a lot of really nice success with those dudes this year. Acquiring guys like Kemba when the world said they were cooked. And really, he was just like his legs weren't ready for a full workload yet. Yeah, it's you have to be judicious, you know. I like it's really easy to just throw names out of guys that have struggled for three or four games and call them a buy low. But psychologically, you're not going to get that guy from another team at a low price after one week of bad games. People don't notice one week of bad games unless they're atrocious. No one's really taking note of those subtle blips. It has to be something that moves the needle in the public eye. The reason I brought up Kemba, whatever it was, month, month and a half ago, was because I saw on Twitter people saying, is Kemba done? And in my mind, I was like, okay, look, that's 
people are going to see this and they're going to internalize that message and they're going to look at their own Kemba Walkers on their rosters and say, oh, do I have a guy who's done? He's And then they'll look at his box scores and they say, oh, he's been really bad lately. He's like four for 19 every game right now. But the wise among us looked at that and said, oh, well, this is a guy who had serious leg issues. He had surgery. He looked super spry right when he came back. And then not surprisingly, after like two weeks of playing, his legs went jelly on him. It dead-legged him. But it wasn't because he was hurt or cooked. It was because he hadn't played in so long and his body was just trying to acclimate. And then, sure, he came now sweeping around the bend and he's been great lately. Some of it, and, and that's the stuff you have to be looking for. When you can actually go get someone on the cheap or actually sell a guy high. And I don't even pick on anybody either, but I want to use an example that came across my table where someone was like, can I sell on Norman Powell? And the answer is probably not in competitive leagues. I know Norm is number 67 on the season now. That's great. You're not going to get someone else near there for Powell because everybody looks at him and goes, well, he's playing 30 minutes a game because someone's been hurt on Toronto every game for about the last 23 in a row. And they're all going to go, well, I remember the beginning of the year when Norman Powell was doing nothing when he was the sixth or seventh man on that team. And they'd be right. And you'd be right also if you said to them, well, someone's always hurt on Toronto. Someone's always hurt on this team. So you can grab Norman Powell and you're probably going to get him as a starter for like 80% of the games the rest of the way. But that's a tough argument to make. It's not that easy to sell high on a guy when there are these flags. I don't know if I'd call it a red flag on Powell. It's like an orange flag attached to them. You have to do, it's got to be a deeper dig to find that right guy. Who can you buy or sell on? You could probably buy on like a DeAndre Ayton because we're halfway into the damn season. He's still number 71. You could probably, boy, the buy low, sell high stuff is, is so much easier when you're 10 games into the year and everybody's like, well, I guess this is who they are, even though that's not remotely close to enough of a sample size to make a claim like that. Um, like, you could probably, if you believed someone was due for a step back, you could probably buy low on Carl Anthony Towns right now. He's number nine on a per-game basis. And he's come out and he's said he's not quite healthy. He hasn't fully recovered from COVID or his wrist injury. There's all this stuff lingering with him. And, and that's not something that I, I don't know that I'd recommend doing it in a head-to-head with playoffs. But in Roto, I mean, if you could get cap for someone like towards the end of the first round for, I don't know, Bradley Beal straight up, I would do that in a heartbeat. Because Beal's as high as he can go and Cat's about as low as he can go. That's what you're looking for. Match them. The nadir of one curve, the zenith of the other. And that's your show. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code HOOPBALL20, get 20% off something over there. That'll make me happy. Go to expressvpn.com forward slash HOOPBALL, get 15 months for the price of 12. Open up a betting account at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL, and then rate and review the podcast so that you can get some a nice little chunk of cash in your account. Get rolling over there. That's what we're doing. We're having some fun. Uh, and if you want to know who to bet on, the wager pass now has nine handicappers in it for nine ninety nine a month. Buck nine, buck eleven a month per capper at this point. 
33 cents a day to get you know, 20 to 30 plays every single day. Just as a point of reference, by the way, looking back at what the Wednesday card had, Troy had two NBA plays. They both won, by the way. Troy's having an unreal season. He went 2-0 and again, and he's now 74-55, and and he's up over 28 units on the season. That is unheard of for someone who bets almost exclusively one, one and a half, and uh, sometimes, rarely, two unit plays in the NBA. Like, he, he's done that with one and one and a half unit plays. That is way up. Devin got you four college plays. Vince got you two NBA plays. Blake, who is an expert at first half plays, eliminate some of the variability in the line. He went 2-0. and oh. Joe, golf plays, soccer plays. His soccer play hit is golf plays for the full weekend. I had a handful of NBA plays. Doug, Three college basketball plays, three hockey plays. Riley had four prop bets. Like, we got it all, man. And that is 33 cents a day at hoop-ball.com. Go get yourself a wager pass and join us in our delightful expedition into the world of sports betting. And I'm very proud of what we've done over there. Uh, myself, Devin Ellington, keeping this, this crew together. Uh, you guys know me. You know that I've been involved in sports betting for some 12 years now. I worked at pregame back in 2009 pregame.com uh we're building something special here guys you're going to want to get in now because that 9.99 is basically a we're setting this price so damn low so that everybody can get involved early kind of thing it is not going to be 9.99 forever but you know what is forever the end of this podcast thanks for listening everybody when we went short today we're going big tomorrow Saddle up. Friday weekend show is going to be a whopper. I'm Dan Bespers at Dan Bespers on Twitter. Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com is the email. By the way, reach out if you guys have more ideas. Uh, we got some kind of interesting submissions for folks that wanted to jump on and, and be a part of what we're doing here at Hoopball. We can talk a little bit more about that on uh, tomorrow's show as well. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Enjoy the last day of games before a week of rest. It's been a freaking sprint since the bubble, hadn't it? Week's going to feel good. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, show on Friday, by the way, I should note, might be coming a little bit later in the day, just as a warning. You know, the whole weekend review and then kind of weekend preview thing. There's a lot to put together. Okay, you've been warned. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.